0: As a pastor of Heights, oftentimes we will, we will come up here, or and Jeremy too, or whoever comes up reach. sometimes we um, instruct from, from the Bible, sometimes we correct from the Bible, sometimes we just use the Bible however it's going to happen. Today, my goal is to inspire you, okay? So, if that doesn't happen, I'm sorry, but I've done the best I can, all right? So, we're gonna, I'm going to try to inspire you today, and I'm going to try to inspire you first with a joke, okay? <laughs> a priest, a rabbit, and a minister walk into a bar, and the rabbit says, I may be a typo, I may be a typo. Okay, let me try something else. All right. Uh, Let me try again. Uh, With a public service announcement. I'm going to give you a public service announcement and a rant, okay? And, okay, so if you've never been here before and you go, what is this church all about? Stay with me, okay? So... There is an instrument in your vehicle that is not for you. Okay, is it the radio? No, that's for you. You can have the music the way you want to help you. Um, is it um, the the headlights? No, the headlights are there so you can see in the dark when you're driving along the road. You know, maybe it's the air conditioner or the heater. No, that's for you too. But there is an instrument. It's called a turn signal. It's not for you because you already know where you're going. It's for you to let others know where you're going. Okay? I'm going to say a statement to you. And this is a little bit of a rant. If you don't use your turn signal, you're selfish. You are. About about a week ago, I was in Smith's parking lot, and uh, I'm there a lot because, well, that's where we shop. But uh, I'm in the parking lot and I'm, I'm turned in, and then there was this little old lady in a brown Sentra, and she used her turn signal in the parking lot, and I went, <laughs> oh, that's so funny, <laughs> but then I got to thinking. At least I knew where she was going, and I was like ashamed. Why was I laughing at her? That's the perfect place because there's usually, have, I mean, you get in the parking lot, people are <laughs> going every which way. At least I knew where she was going. And I got and I got to thinking about it. Maybe I should use my turn signal in the parking lot. Wait, maybe I should use my turn signal every when I drive. And it's really shamed me. And then I been driving and kind of going off on noticing how many people in new mexico in albuquerque won't speak for the world won't speak for new mexico i will speak for my experience in albuquerque no one uses their turn signal makes me crazy okay you're thinking what does that have anything to do with the bible stay with me Because we are going to get to there. All right? So, we're in the midst of studying judges. We're about halfway through. And um, we've been reading. This week, we've been reading about Samson. Okay? And so, if you... um, This is a story that even people that aren't familiar with the Bible sort of know. I mean, if you did a word association, you know, with people. And you started doing, like, biblical characters. People could, could... do some word association. You could say David, people say Goliath. You know? Dog, cat, you know? Delilah, Samson. Because most everybody knows about the story of Samson, Delilah. And Samson, at the very end of his life, is blinded. His eyes have been gouged out. He's been captured by the Philistines. He's made to grind wheat. And they bring him out to make fun of him, to jeer him, and they chain him to the pillars in a temple made to their god, Dagon. And he pushes the pillars and everything collapses and many people, Philistines, die. We, we know the story of Samson Delilah. We know how completely idiotic this guy is. I mean, how many times do you have to get tied up and the Philistines just appear out of nowhere to capture you? I mean, there's at least four instances. And you're like, get a clue. What is wrong with you? Right? I mean, have you ever done that? Or is that just me? Like, Samson, you're a knucklehead. Okay? How did he get there? How did he turn out to be such a stinking knucklehead and end up captured by the Philistines. Well today we're going to find out. We're going to look at we're going to look at some passages of scripture. We're going to read 21 verses of scripture and then we're going to read 20 verses of scripture. It's going to be a lot of reading. But we're going to we're going to examine some things and we're going to figure out what went on with Samson. All right, so let's turn to Judges, chapter 13, and we'll read the entirety of the chapter, and this is the introduction to Samson, okay? We don't hear about Samson so much in this chapter, but we hear about his parents, okay? A man by the name of Manoah. So here we go. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zerah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. And the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor, because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Then the woman went to her husband and told him, a man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God. Very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he said to me, you will become pregnant and have a son and then drink no, then, now then drink no wine or other fermented drink and do not eat anything unclean because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from the womb until the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, I beg you to be, to let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. God heard Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman while she was out in the field. But her husband, Manoah, was not with her. The woman hurried to tell her husband, He's here, the man who appeared to me the other day. Manoah got up and followed his wife. And when he came to the man, he said, Are you the man who talked to my wife? I am, he said. So Manoah asked him, When your words are fulfilled, what is it to be the rule that governs the boy's life and work? And the angel of the Lord answered him, Your wife must do all that I have told her. She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, nor drink any wine or other fermented drink, nor eat anything unclean. She must do everything I have commanded her. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, We would like like you to stay until we prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord replied, Even though you detain me, I will not eat any of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, offer it to the Lord. Manoah did not realize that it was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah inquired of the angel of the Lord, What is your name so that we may honor you with your, when your word comes true? And he replied, Why do you ask my name? It is beyond understanding. Then Manoah took a young goat together with the grain offering and sacrificed it on a rock to the Lord. And the Lord did an amazing thing while Manoah and his wife watched. As the flame blazed up from the altar toward the heavens, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. Seeing this, Manoah and his wife fell with their face to the ground. And when the angel of the Lord did not show himself again to Manoah and his wife, Manoah realized that it was the angel of the Lord. Okay, we'll stop right there. What an amazing story about what's gonna, what was meant and desired by the Lord for Samson for this child that Manoah and his wife were going to have. We we see Manoah and his wife to be pretty believing folks. They don't ever ask, they don't ever question. When this comes true, we want to get this right. They they had faith about that this barrenness that was going on within their marriage was going to end because that this Manoah's wife says is a man of God and describes him oh he's like an angel he's awesome so we see that Manoah and his wife were serious about being in tune with who God was and and it appears that During the time of Manoah's wife's pregnancy, they did all the things that the angel of the Lord did. Now, Manoah and his wife are childless. We have other places in the Bible. We have other women who were unable to conceive. And so they are Sarah, who ended up having Isaac. is starting the line, Abraham's line, all the way down the people of Israel Rachel Rachel was barren for a long period of time and then Joseph right came out and Benjamin but it was later and then there's the writer we believe that wrote judges was Samuel Samuel's story is very similar to Samson. Hannah, his mom, was barren for a long time. And the husband Elkanah, was like, hey, you know, the other the other the other wife, he had two wives. Penuel was like, What now? I'm having kids. And she was brokenhearted about it. She goes to the temple and she she temple of tabernacles, she goes with Eli sees her, and she's just wailing. And he's like man, quit drinking, praise the Lord. She's like, I'm not drinking. There's no wine around me. I am just brokenhearted. And I'm praying for a a child, for a son. And it happens. And that's how Samuel becomes associated with Eli. Because when the child Samuel is born, Hannah gives him to God. He says, he'll work with you in the service of the Lord. He doesn't go back home with Hannah. Hannah leaves him in the service of God. And then in the New Testament, we have Elizabeth, right? Elizabeth is, she's barren. Angel comes to Zechariah and says, your wife's going to have a son. And he's not all that believing. Well, give me a sign that this will happen. Because goes, oh, you won't talk. But there's an announcement with John that he is going to pave the way for the Messiah to come. Now, we could say that even Mary was barren, but she was a virgin, so he really wasn't expecting to have kids at the time. She hadn't been with a man yet. But the, but the angel comes and ta- talks to her and says, you're going to have a son. And guess what? He's going to be the Messiah. And she says, let it be my paraphrase but that's what she says so there are lots of times we have barren women in the bible and oftentimes it leads to some amazing men of god that have happened and this could have been samson's story but it's not just take take a minute and talk about the angel of the lord that shows up some people have said this may have been pre incarnate Jesus showing up. And some of these, a lot of people say, oh, that's, that was Jesus before he came down and became. Okay, I don't really buy a lot of them because there's just not enough evidence. But this one, I don't know. Let me just tell you why I'm thinking that. First one, when Manoah goes to the man of God and says, Are you the guy that talked to my wife? One of the first two words this angel of the Lord says, I am. Wait, I I am? Like like Yahweh, I am? He says, I am. I love that. This this might be God. And the pre incarnate would be Jesus, right? Okay. Then, as Manoah is continually talking to him, he says, Well, what what's your name? And just like any good rabbi, not rabbit, rabbi, <laughs> he answers a question with a question. Well, why do you ask my name? I, you know what? There was a, they went to a rabbi and said, you know, you rabbis, you always ask a question with a question. He said, do we? <sighs> you guys are a tough crowd. Okay. Anyway. So, um, he answers a question with a question. Very Interesting. And then he says, from what we read, he says, it's utterly amazing. Right? In other translations it says, it's wonderful. Okay? Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is Isaiah talking about the Messiah. Talking about the child that was to come. He says, for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Okay. Some of your translations. Oh, I mean, took it away. I had my pointer and everything. See this little? In the New King James Version, they have a comma here. In other other, um, translations, it just says Wonderful Counselor. They don't have the comma here. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor. I like this translation because there's a comma here. Okay, just so you know, the canon of Scripture, right? The Underlined words, the um, pronunciation, I mean the punctuation, the little um, names of the paragraphs, those are not scripture. Those help you, but they're not divine. That comma is not divine, but I like the way it's there. And his name shall be called wonderful. So, the... Angel of the Lord says, why do you want to know my name? Because it's wonderful. Hmm. Interesting. All right. So, this is the designation of Manoah and his wife. They're Danites. They're from the tribe of Dan. And they've been given this glorious message by the man of God. This child is going to do amazing things, and they want him to be a Nazarite. Now, Nazarite is in the law about devotion. When you want to be completely devoted to God, if you make a, an oath, then you are to let your hair grow, You're not to have to touch any fermented drink, not even fermented drink. No grapes, no raisins, nothing. You're not supposed to touch anything unclean. You're supposed to stay away, even if your parents were to die, touching a dead body or a carcass of any kind of animal. You're supposed to be set apart for God. And this is, the angel of the Lord says, this Nazarite is going to happen even while your child is in the womb. Okay? This is, from from the time of conception to the time of your death, he's, he's to be a Nazarite the whole time. Because... He is going to be set apart for God. Man, what a start for a great life, right? (sighs) Now let's go to Judges chapter 14. Now it goes right to Samson being a young man. Starting in verse 14, starting in verse 1. Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines, now therefore get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, "Um, is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord, that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one who would have torn apart a young goat. Though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well after some time when he returned to get her. He turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. He took some of it in his hands and went along eating. When he came to his father and mother, he gave some of them he gave some to them, and they also ate but he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion so his father went down to the woman and Samson gave a feast there for the young women for the young men who used to do so and it happened when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him then Samson said to them let me pose a riddle to you if you can correctly solve and explain it to me within the 7 days of the feast then i will give you 30 linen garments And 30 changes of clothing. But if you cannot explain it to me, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. And they said to him, Pose your riddle, that we may hear it. And so he said to them, Out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. Now for three days they could not explain the riddle. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they said to Samson's wife, entice your husband that he may explain the riddle to us or else we will burn you in your father's house with fire have you invited us in order to take what is ours is that not so then samson's wife wept on him and said you only hate me you do not love me you have posed a riddle to the sons of my people but you have not explained it to me and he said to her look i have not explained it to my father or my mother so should i explain it to you Now she had wept on him the seven days while their feast lasted, and it happened on the seventh day that he told her because she pressed him so much. And then she explained the riddle to the sons of her people. So the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, what is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, if you have not plowed my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed thirty of their men, took their apparel, and gave the changes of clothing to those who had explained the riddle. So his anger was aroused, and he went back to his father's house. And Samson's wife was given to his companion, who had been his best man. So what had seemed like a glorious beginning for this young man from the time of his birth Samson shows that things went terribly wrong. I mean, we know at the end of his life what's happened. But how did he get there? Well, this chapter kind of gives us some indication that there, that there could have been some things going wrong in Samson's life. First of all, from our reading, Samson's in a vineyard. What are you doing in a vineyard? You're a Nazarite. not even supposed to have anything touch you. Any kind of grape. Any kind of... What's he doing in a vineyard? And then this lion jumps out and he rips it apart like you would a young goat. I've never ripped apart a young goat. I can't imagine. But it sounds like that's pretty easy. But he does this to a lion. With his bare hands. Okay, And he just leaves the carcass there. Um, he's going down to Timnah to get married to a Philistine. Okay. I don't know all the law, but there's some things pretty clear made. Moses lays down the covenant here. He says, you're not supposed to intermarry with the people that are already there in Canaan. And Samson's explanation to his father about the reason why he's going to marry a Philistine woman is, she pleases me. I don't, th- I don't buy it. I mean, it's just... We can't get away with things. We just it, was, it pleases me. Well, why'd you kill that guy? Because he pleases me. Why, why are you drunk all the time? Because it pleases me. We all say, well, you're an idiot. And it's the same way here with Samson. He's supposed to be dedicated to God. He's supposed to be doing things that God wants him to do. He's supposed to be living in obedience. And he, he's letting the decision because it makes me feel good. Rather than living in obedience. Then there's the carcass of the lion that he returns to a second time. And there's honeys. There's bee and honey within the carcass of... Wait, a carcass. You're not supposed to touch anything dead. Yet he scoops out the honey, and then he eats it, and he gives it to his parents unknowingly. Now they're unclean. There, he's He's doing things... That he just wants to do something, flying by the seat of his pants rather than being concerned about doing what God has asked him to do. Okay? Then there's this passage where it says he wants to get married to a Philistine woman, but that was of God. I think the translation gets lost here because I don't think God would ever ask us to be in disobedience. In order for his will to be achieved. I think despite. Samson's disobedience. God was still going to use. The situation for him to achieve. His results. Listen and that's very very true in our life. Listen. You have something to do. That's God's will. But if you refuse to do it. God's will will still be achieved. Okay. That's just a a pre- uh, preface there for my inspirational talk to you. Okay? And then there's this foolish riddle that Samson starts to get 30 clothes. He ends up owing 30 clothes. So he goes to all the way to another city, Ashkelon, which was a part of the Philistines, one of the five cities, and he kills 30 Philistines to get their garments to take to, so that his, he could pay up his debt, as the case may be. And I know the Philistines are the enemy. But these are 30 innocent Philistines. who had nothing to do with it, but he goes and kills them. Can you imagine? What, did he make them take off their clothes before he killed them? Or were there blood stain on the clothes? Here's the clothes, I promised you. Uh, thanks. I mean, it doesn't go into detail here, but he is choosing to murder 30 Philistines because of a foolish riddle that he just, he had the power to do it, so he did it. Oh, he's heading in the wrong direction. These little things of disobedience are clues to what led to the devastation in Samson's life. In fact, the only time we ever see Samson praying to God is at the end of his life. His eyes are gouged out and he's got his hands on the pillars, prays for strength to be able to bring the temple down. That's the only time we see Samson praying to God. This is, this is a, a baby that before birth, God said, you've got a destiny. And we're going to prepare it so that you can do mighty things for God. And instead, Samson just did what he wanted to do. He just did what, you know, God's will, forget it. I want to do what I want to do. I want to do what pleases me. I, huh? And we see him blinded by these sins. We see him seeking out a harlot in one of the Philistine cities. We see him noticing Delilah and, and chasing her and just being clueless about what's going on. So what does this have to do with anything about us? In 21st century America let me tell you something as honest as I can as your pastor as your friend as your um, person who cares deeply about each and every one of you I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that each one of you have a destiny like Samson that you have something that God has for you to do. That He has designed perfectly for you to do. For His glory. For, for His desire that all men will be saved. He ha- Each of you, no one is exempt. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a destiny. Now, are these just my words? No. This is why I know this. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 13. This is Paul speaking, and he said, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body. Of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Who's Paul talking about? The job that Jeremy and I have as a pastor and teacher is to equip you because you are the saints. Each and every one. If you call Jesus your Lord, you have become a saint. And you have a work of ministry, work of service. Not for you. Not a selfish desire. But you have the power of the Holy Spirit in yourself. And it's not for you. It's for you to bring glory to God. It's for you I mean, okay, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you have something in you. It's not for you. I mean, it's for you, but it's for others too. You know what it is? It's called the gospel. Listen, Samson's job was to deliver his people from oppression, from bondage. And we have people this very day that are living in bondage. Bondage of sin. And they didn't know how to get out of it. And you've got the answer. You have the get out of jail free card. What's stopping you from being that person that can share truth? And love to help these people that are in bondage. They don't know how to get out of it. And they are, they're feeling worthless. They're feeling defeated. They're feeling like, what's the point in living? And you have the answer. What's stopping you from your own selfish interests? Many of you, including myself, are worried about mundane things, unimportant things. You're worried about your comfort, your bank account, or your desires. And that's hindering you from being. The person that God designed you to be. The whole story of Israel... Was God taking Abraham and said... You're going to be a blessing. You're going to be blessed. And you're going to be a blessing to all other nations. Their job was to tell everybody about the Yahweh. About the God of heaven and earth. And instead... They got wrapped up in in themselves. Well, I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm not going to tell anybody about this. It's all about their tribes and their people. They weren't reaching out. What What sin is hindering you? The habitual sins that are tripping you up and you're messing around with that when you've got a destiny to fill up heaven with people? Of this world who don't know Jesus. So what does that look like? Use your turn signal. I'm serious. You're thinking, oh, okay. Listen, when you use your turn signal and you're not thinking about yourself, you're thinking about other people. You're obeying the law is one of those things. But you're looking to you have your eyes out for others. Listen. I love you guys. I really do. But there are some of you, when, when I meet you, you look like you want to beat somebody up. Listen, sometimes I do that way. Okay? I have that face that when it's resting, I kind of look like an SOB. Okay, and Barb calls me on all the time, and I'll be I'll be thinking about something, and I've got my my eyebrows down, and I'm frowning, I'm thinking about things. She goes, Why are you so angry? I'm like, I'm not angry. She's like, You look angry. Listen, I know that, and so I've had to practice being approachable. Okay. Have my eyebrows apart, have a smile on my face. Look at other people rather than looking down. I can't tell you how many people, young people, when people come up to talk to you, don't look at the floor for crying out loud. Look people in the eye. Do you know why? I'm not saying, well, that's a bad thing. Because it is a bad thing. But you need to be approachable. People need to see you. Listen, if you have a hard time getting along with people, you need to work on it. The, the excuse of, well, that's just the way I am. no. You, that is not just the way you are. God calls us to be better. God calls us to be different, to be set apart. And if that means you have to read Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, do it. What's this, what? What's it going to take for you, in your personality, in your trust, that you can start being approachable, that you can start being winsome, so that people say, "I want what he has." You walk around with a scowl on your face. Yeah, I'm so happy to be with Jesus. <laughs> uh, okay. We need. I'm serious. We need to be working on this. I asked Barbara, well, how do I start being better? Because I'm called to be approachable. I'm called to be accessible. I'm called to be a light to this dark world. And that might be just as simple as looking up and smiling and being positive, being encouraging. You know, when things are, we're around the water cooler and everybody's like, oh, stinking astros, they cheat all the time. You, want to, you don't want to pile on, too. Oh, yeah, I can't believe that. They should be in those guys. No, you need to be positive. You need to be saying, oh, well, it's another season, New Year. Hey, maybe they'll do good this year. I, I say that in jest. But there are things, people, I, instead of being the guy that piles on, too, you need to be someone that thinks I am a representative of Jesus Christ. I need to be better than that. I need to be different Diane can you bring the the praise team up and bring a rock song with that song did, 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 did you see did you hear the song by the way the praise team rocked it today they were awesome I mean it seems like each week the praise team just keeps up in it a notch up in it a notch and I like oh. it's like did you hear the, the words did you <laughs> did you hear the words it's talking about I don't want to abuse your bra- your grace, God. Oh, that's exactly what Samson was doing. I don't want to be Samson. I don't. I don't want to be a knucklehead. I want to be a guy who follows the Lord, and because I'm following the Lord, other people follow me into eternity. Does that sound inspiring to you? Hello? Okay. I mean, are we going to charge out there? Are we going to say, hey, get your partner, get someone you know, say, hey, what is it about me that turns people off? I need to stop it. How many are going to use their turn signals this week? (laughs) Wait, no, is it this way? You know, it's amazing to me. Every time that I get ready to preach, then we have testimonies that come up and they're just exactly what I'm preaching on I and mean, it happens all the time Haiti gets up and talks about oh, I'm taking tests but I want to do it for the glory of God what? I didn't know she was going to do that talk about the Holy Spirit moving when, and then we have Mike passing the baton to Craig because he was just wants to serve the Lord he doesn't want to get any attention by the way, the elder emeritus means that you don't have to show up on Monday Father God, we come before you. Thank you so much for all that you do. You're an amazing God. Help us. Help each one of us to be that light, that salt in this earth so that we can share your love to others that need it. Tragically, Lord, help us to usher in another generation people that are destined for heaven and a relationship with you for eternity lord whatever it takes help us to do that in the name of jesus i pray amen